on to So What Do You Think, a podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I'm Jane, with me here is B. Hi. Okay, so, well, recently I rewatched the latest Missing 411 documentary. I know you haven't watched it and you don't intend to watch it because that's just too scary. Yeah. But you know the general gist anyway. You're off. It's quite a good doco, actually. I, I recommend it. It's uh, entertaining. It's spooky. It's got some definite scary bits in it. Um, some some cases I feel like need a little bit more examination. And as always, I won't go into major detail on the whole missing 411 thing here, but it's definitely an interesting phenomenon. Google it, watch the doco, go to YouTube and check out David Polites and all these different YouTube videos about it. But as we always say, He also likes to sue people, so we'll leave it at that. Suffice to say, this is a phenomenon involving involving people who disappear in the wilderness, specifically national parks. But anyway, there are a few cases in this documentary that were really good, and I think that they do need to be dug down on a little bit deeper. Uh, The first time I watched it, I think I was just very, very impressed and very, like, freaked out by it. The second time I watched it, I was like, okay, this is actually really bloody weird and we actually need to talk about it. So we've already covered a couple of these 411 cases from um, the documentaries and such. We had Dennis Martin, that young boy who vanished in the Smoky Mountains in 1969. And recently we had also Tom Messick, who was the old guy that vanished while he was hunting. Um, So, you know, these cases are interesting. There is... This other one that I was reminded about when I watched the documentary the other day that we really need to talk about because it was really bloody freaky. So tonight we're in Montana and we are talking about the disappearance of 38-year-old Aaron Hedges. So it's September 7th, 2014. And like I said, we're in Montana, USA, in a place called the Crazy Mountains. Now, this is a mountain range that just looks like it shouldn't be there. It's a lot younger than all the rest of the mountain ranges through there. And it just kind of pops up out out of nowhere in the middle of plains. So the range itself is only 64 kilometres long. And the highest point of it is about three and a half kilometres high. Traditionally, they were a place for vision quests by the native people. So they're quite a sacred area. And although it's largely a mountain range surrounded by private land, people do manage to get in to the public areas and it's a very popular hunting spot. So this is why Aaron is here. He's having a week-long hunting slash camping trip with two of his friends, Greg Leitner and Joe Depew. And they have decided, I mean, they do this most weekends, like at least um, Aaron does. He goes at least like every second weekend and he goes hunting at this place. He would usually go with Joe, who's a good friend of his. This was the first time he'd been with Greg. So they decided that they were going to take a horse and a mule and be like pack pack animals, pack all their camping gear and stuff onto them while they hiked in. So these guys were extremely experienced hunters. Aaron himself was carrying a bow and arrow. That was his preferred choice of hunting. And he also had a handgun just in case. I mean, this is like Montana. There's bears, there's bobcats, there's all of the things that want to kill you in America. But bobcats are so cute. So cute. I've said it a million times. It's how I go. It is 100% how I go. If I go to America or somewhere like that, I'm just going to see something cute and fluffy. And even though I know that it's going to kill me, I'll just let it happen. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just too cute. (laughs) (laughs) so 
Aaron had the bow and arrow. He had a handgun. His two friends carried rifles. They intended to make base at a place called Campfire Lake and then take off individually during the day and hunt elk. And this is what they did on the morning of September 7th. Now, they would hide caches around the place. I'm, you know, I'm not sure exactly what was in them. I'm assuming that it was like supplies and things that were too heavy to carry around with you. Um, so Aaron had a cache nearby that he wanted to go go and check out. And this was because when they were walking up the mountains on the first day, the mule, which was largely carrying Aaron's stuff, got spooked by something. So it bolted. It threw all of his gear off its back. It went down the mountain. He lost a whole heap of stuff. Um, a lot of his sleeping stuff was missing. So that's a piss off when you're about to have like a multi-day camping trip. He got really angry about it to the point where Joe actually went, look, I'm sick of you bitching about it. I'm going to hike back to the car and I'm going to go get some blankets and pillows and stuff. Um, because otherwise, you know, they're in Montana, it's cold. So Aaron had lost a lot of his stuff. So he had to go find his cache. Um, and there was one near a place called Sunlight Lake. Sunlight Lake. So after the first night, he sets off on foot. He's they're at, they're at Campfire Lake. His mates are like, we're going to start having a look around, hunting and that sort of thing. He's in a bad mood. He's cranky. He just wants to go to his cache and get his gear. So he takes off by himself. So like I said, Aaron is cranky. He's lost his gear. He's probably had a really shitty night's sleep. He's got a new piece of equipment for his bow and arrow sort of get up that's not really working well. He knows he has to go to this cache, which is about 20 kilometers away. And it's not just like 20 kilometers high. It's over rocky, uneven mountain terrain. So, I mean, it's a shitty trip for him so far. I feel like I would have just went, all right, guys, I'm going. Bye. See you later. That's it. I'm out. So over the next two days, Aaron doesn't return to camp. So his friends are like, well, this is weird. He was supposed to come back, but you know what? He was in a bad mood. He was an ex He's an experienced guy. We're not too worried. He did get, he had gear. He's got his cash. We're sure, he, sure he's fine. I'm sure he's going to be fine. On the 10th, they come to the end of their trip for the weekend and they hike out. And one of the first things that they do is call Aaron's wife to see whether or not he somehow made it home by himself. He had not. So his wife calls the police and reports him missing. Now, of course, a search in shoes and Aaron's friends hike out to Sunlight Lake Cash just to see whether or not anything was taken, to see whether he even made it there in the first place. And there was clear, it was clear that he had not made it to that cache. So something had happened in that 20 kilometer hike. So what had happened on the day? And this is, it's really hard because these guys, their story starts to get a little bit patchy. So the police are like, all right, tell us everything that happened. Like, all we know is that, you know, you've hiked to this place, Aaron's lost his gear, he's going to go to his cache and you've never seen him again. There's got to be more to it, right? So they go, well, they did have walkie talkies, right? So on the day that he sets out to the cache, at around midday, they had like check-in times, right? So they radioed him and checked in. He answers. He says, yep, I am out here. I'm still hiking. The trail to Sunlight Lake has a turn off about five kilometers up the trail from Campfire Lake. And Aaron knows it really, really well. He's here like every second weekend. So when they call him and they hear that he's still really cranky and he says that he has actually walked about 10 kilometers now, but he's really confused because he hasn't come across this turnoff that's supposed to come 
five kilometers down the track. So he's like, oh, you know, again, once, once again, I would be going home at this point. Like it feels mm. like this is like the curse trip from hell. Mm. But he's next, and he's like, look, I'm just going to, I'm just going to have to try and keep finding it. Right. Yeah. So for some reason he's missed the turnoff and the guys are like, um, well, you know, maybe you've missed it. Go and have another look. Like they kind of just leave it at that. I feel as though these guys are like, we just want to go hunting. Like we just don't want you to stop us from doing that. At 4.30 PM, there's another check-in. They radio again, radio him again. And they let him know that they've actually shot an elk. So at this point it's like, all right, we've got our elk. It's all hands on deck. Can you come in? Can you help us dress it? Because I mean, I'm assuming when you kill an animal like that, I've never done it before, but I'm assuming that you've got like a limited time period in which you can sort of process the carcass before it starts to rot. Yeah. So they're like, look, can you just come back? Because we need you to help us, you know, process this carcass. And he's like, you know what? No, I don't know where I am. I can't, I don't know how to get back. There's no way I'm finding you tonight. So I'm sorry. I just can't come back. And you can tell that he's quite far away because the clarity of the radio signals isn't very good. So this is what they tell the troopers. They're like, after that, we never heard from him again. He just sort of vanished into thin air. So they go, they set out a search party to look for him. Now, as far as official searches, there were two horseback teams deployed coming from opposite ends of the area. However, they didn't get too far because a huge snowstorm blew in that night. And they had to call it off. So in this time, Joe and Greg, like I said, they're being a bit weird. Their story isn't quite making sense. There are some areas, they're giving coordinates that don't seem quite right. And, you know, for example, they say that Aaron was 10 kilometres away from them when he radioed to say that he missed the turnoff. However, the radio only had a three kilometre range. So how does that work? Straight away, a little bit of suspicion starts to fall on these guys because why else would you be lying, right? Mm. But then the searchers also come across a dressed elk, just as they had described that they'd processed it. Um, But it wasn't where they said that they'd processed it. It was on private land. They have a look at that and they think, okay, we might be starting to get to the bottom of things here. They also realised that all of the guys had put their phones on flight mode while they were in the mountains. Now, they said that it was just because, you know, they wanted to save batteries and they wanted to have their phones to take photos but they only really had one picture that they showed to the to the police and, you know, they're like, okay, this isn't making sense. But what was becoming apparent is that these guys were poaching. They were out on private land and they weren't supposed to be and that's why they're being really cagey about things, which is very illegal in Montana <laughs> and they take it very, very seriously. Um, but, you know, in trying to cover their tracks, they had inadvertently kind of messed up the initial investigation too because obviously they were in places where they weren't meant to be. So instead of saying where they were, they've given these other locations. Mm. So straight away the search is not happening where it should be happening. Now people are very quick to jump to the foul play angle here, but the police actually ended up clearing these guys. And honestly I think they were just poaching and trying to cover their tracks. Mm. Uh, When their mate didn't return, their attempts to cover their tracks made them look shady. So what are your thoughts on that so far? Um, some sort of foul play somewhere along the lines here. You still think someone's killed him? Maybe not his friends. Yeah. But someone someone else's land. Well, this is it. It kind of brings in that extra element of danger, doesn't it? Because, like I said, these 
these Montana farmers and and park rangers and stuff, they take it very seriously. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I guess it's like when the police actually started to drill down on the two friends, it became obvious that they were just covering their tracks and they actually hadn't seen Aaron. So, so. Another interesting thing was that Aaron was a recovering alcoholic. And by recovering, I mean on that day that he went camping, he was stopping drinking. So he'd been prescribed benzodiazepines to help manage the anxiety that was going to come with his withdrawal symptoms. So this sobriety was quite new. Now, when Joe and Greg returned to their cars, they turned their phones off flight mode and they received a text message from Aaron that came through at that time. And it said, I will call you tonight. But they don't know when he sent that because, you know, when your phone's on, phone's on flight mode, it doesn't actually get all of its messages until you turn it back on again. So they never really knew when that message was sent. But for all they know, it was sent that day. So Greg texts him back and says, don't contact me until you're sober. You should have helped with the elk. Glad you're okay. So Greg gets quite hung up on this fact that he didn't come and help with the elk, which is weird because their story is that he was lost and he couldn't get back to them. But makes me kind of wonder whether he wasn't actually as lost at that point. Mm. So I have questions. Clearly Greg is quite salty about the whole elk thing. Apparently when they last radioed him for successfully, he said, look, I'm lost. I'm not going to make it back. But Greg's main concern at this point is that they had an elk to process and he needed all hands on deck for it. So, you know, it's he gets quite focused on that. Now, even in the days of the search, Joe would be crying. Like he was so upset. He'd known Aaron for quite a while. He was all like, oh, my God, my friend, he can't survive out there in this weather. I'm so scared that he's dead. He was really, really upset about it. And Greg was just like, bastard should have come and helped with the elk. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Mm. Uh, to me, that could just be one of those personalities that just like gets focused. Like, you know, maybe he was, you know, maybe on the spectrum or something and they get hyper-focused on something like, no, he didn't come and help with the elk. That's all I care about at the moment and don't really see the bigger picture. Mm. But there is the whole don't contact me until you're sober thing, which is interesting as well. Is that don't contact me until you've gone through your entire sobriety struggle or was it you were drunk when we last saw you, you need to go and sober up? Mm. Don't really know which one it was. Yeah. So Greg and Joe had been drinking on that trip, which is a weird thing to do when you've got a friend in recovery there with you. But interesting, what are your thoughts on this whole sobriety thing? A weird time to decide to... It's a weird time to, okay, so it's either a weird time to go hunting yeah, or it's a weird time to decide to quit drinking. Yeah, some people have suggested maybe he went up there so he would, like, go through the detox without anyone looking at him and that's why he sort of took off on his own. Yeah, but you're giving up alcohol is harder than giving up drugs in a lot of cases. Like, oh, yeah. you're a proper alcoholic, you can literally die. From stop, we know someone, mm-hmm. a client from our past, mm. who she they act- she's gone now. I didn't know. Yeah, she went. She went. Wow. Oh, um, but when she had that initial scare, remember when she was yes, in? Yes, that's that was the last I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason she crashed so badly was so she was sick with something else, but then her body nearly went into complete shut down because they had to it put her into an induced coma 
but she was then going cold turkey without alcohol and her body was like what the fuck yeah because she was a proper alcoholic she was and, stinking, stinking drunk oh she yes and yeah. she yeah her body was just like wow this stuff that you've been giving me all these years you've just suddenly stopped mm. yeah it doesn't end well yeah I've been on the other side of seeing someone stop hard drugs Mm. and it's not the same. Mentally, it fucks with you. Yep. Um, But alcohol and, like, obviously there is the physical part of it as well, but usually it's, you know, like you have headaches, you feel nauseous, you might Mm. have the shits. Mm -hmm. But alcohol literally will fucking kill you if you try to stop it. Well, this is why people have like a supported detox in hospital and stuff, you know. And there's actually medication and shit for them to take as well. Yeah. So going out into the wilderness probably isn't the best move in that in that regard. As I sip my ginger beer. Ah, you got the ginger beer again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I just don't know whether it would have been a good idea. It doesn't mean that it wasn't what he was intending, though. You I can know? I also get the other side of it as well. It's like I'm gonna go be one with nature, I'm gonna go be zen, I'm gonna go hunt, I'm gonna go live off the land, sort of thing. And it's gonna be a, a distraction from mm. the shit I'm gonna be not only feeling but thinking as well. Mm. But at the same time, that's a huge thing to take on. Maybe he'd never done a serious detox before, so he just didn't know what he was in yeah. for. And know? also, mate, and I don't know, in a weird spiritual mental way, me being me, isn't maybe that part of the withdrawal of the quitting that you have to feel this shit and have to think this shit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then you're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, to, to me a bit of a picture is starting to form. Like I think it's supposed to be a covert poaching operation. Probably something yeah. they've done a million times before. But in this case, the mule bolts, the equipment is lost. You know, maybe Aaron's benzos were lost as well, you know. He's mad. He's in a bad mood. He's going to have to go up to his cash to stock up now and miss a day of hunting. Um, you know, Joe and Greg said that he wasn't happy with where they chose to hunt on the first day too. So I guess, you know, you've got this perfect storm where it's a potentially he could have drank again that night. The guys were drinking, you know, and it's just possible that maybe he did drink that night. So I reckon we had a very angry dude in Aaron on that trip Um, and maybe he had a Barney with Greg at least, you know, too as well, something like that. As far as the story of Aaron missing the turnoff of a trail that he'd walked a million times before, maybe he was angry, maybe he was distracted and that's why that happened or... Maybe it's because they were never at that campsite and he was actually coming from a different direction or something like that because they actually weren't at Campfire Lake at all. It's really hard to know because they formulated this story. Mm. Joe and Greg said Aaron had this new piece of bow equipment that he was practising with at the camp at Campfire Lake and it wasn't working right and he was getting really pissed off with it as well. But when they went to Campfire Lake, they couldn't find any of his arrows around the campsite. So either he cleaned them all up really, really well or they just were never there. Mm. And the final hole in their story was the fact that they were seen on a totally different trail by someone who saw all three of them together in this area when they claimed that they were somewhere else entirely. So I think that we've got a lot of holes, we've got a lot of lies. They were poaching, I'm sure, 100%. um, But I think that Probably where they were wasn't where they said they were. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, obviously they shouldn't have been doing that. Mm. 
but um do you really just like completely fuck up any chance of finding your friend your mates mm. alive or at least his body because you were poaching yeah. like how bad is what are the actual consequences mm. is it that bad that you're prepared to live with that for the rest of your life well it's possible that they didn't really realize how serious it was though i mean you've had a fight with your mate he's maybe a bit of a hothead and we know that he, he's you know coming down off alcohol or whatever um and he's just sort of flounced off and gone i'm going off on my own for a bit I see that being a thing with guys, you know. I see that being, all right, just let him go and cool off for a bit. Okay, he's been out there by himself for a couple of days. He's got gear. He knows what he's doing. He'll come back when he's cooled down, you know. I can kind of see that side of things. And then in those initial days, they may have just thought to themselves like, okay, he's out there still. We, we And, and self-preservation mode has been activated basically. So that's the most important thing to them at the moment. I think when things changed was, when that storm came in and he was still out there and then they realized there's not really a good chance that he's going to survive that out there by himself. So I think that's when they started to go, Oh, actually like, okay. Yeah. So, so now that we've established all of that, um, what happened to him? Where did he go? What happened to him? So um, they have a look at his GPS data and they can see that the last known location is somewhere called Sweetgrass Creek. After no joy of finding Aaron for five days, they then expand the search. More people, horses, dogs, helicopters, the whole lot. They focus mainly around where that last GPS location was. And in doing so, they find a small area that's kind of like a little protected nook of trees. Inside this nook is the remains of two small campfires and a pair of hiking boots. They look further and find a blue camelback a partially burned cigarette packet, which was the type of cigarettes he smoked, and a water purifier pump. So they did ascertain this was all Aaron's stuff. However, Aaron is not there. So they think, okay, he's got to be in the area somewhere. So they expand outwards. Now, straight up people are like, why did he take his hiking boots off? <laughs> like that's, that's weird. That's not really a thing that's, you know, going to allow him to go too far. He can't be too far away. And, you know, it's it's cold, it's snowing, um, it's it's not going to, he's not just going to take his shoes off to just walk off and be okay for long, you know, pretty soon he's going to run into trouble. However, apparently bow hunters do sometimes take their shoes off and put like little like slipper moccasin things on so that they can uh, approach animals quietly. So the jury's out on that. Maybe he was stalking something and got lost, maybe. Yeah. Despite the expanded search, they just don't find anything else and eventually the search is scaled back and, and then it is halted. So fast forward nine months to 19th of June 2015 when a farmer, Chris Rain, and his father-in-law were repairing a fence on their ranch. They find a backpack, a bow and some clothes and, and like camping gear. Inside the pack is Aaron's hunting licence and this is around about seven kilometres from that mini camp that people have found his other stuff at. Now, this case was quite big in the area. Everyone knew about it the previous year. So these guys knew straight away what they were dealing with. So they called, called the police. The pack and the clothes were rested up against a tree like they'd been placed there. It didn't look like they'd sort of just dropped off someone or been dragged there. Police came out straight away and took the items. And they actually found that Aaron's revolver was in there too. And it only had three bullets inside of it. So this means one of three things. 
One, he had brought a half-loaded gun on a hunting trip. Probably not. Number two, he'd fired off three bullets and didn't reload. Or number three, he'd used up all his ammo except for these three bullets. So thoughts on these finding this new stuff. Where is he? Yeah, why is he leaving his shit laying around? Yeah, it's seven kilometres from, hmm, I don't know yet. And it's, not, and it's like seven kilometres as the crow flies. So it's like he it's probably longer for him by the time he's gone up and down mountains and whatever, you yeah. know, potentially with no shoes as well. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just like more questions than answers really at this point. Mm. I personally don't think that he would have half-loaded his guns on a hunting trip. So I think that it's possible that he shot at something at some point along the way. But then, like we said, you have to ask, you know, how did he walk seven kilometres at least through mountains without his boots? And, you know, he came to a fence. These guys found this stuff at a property up against a fence. So he knew civilization was in sight. If he was lost, he was moments away from help. All he had to do was walk down to the farmhouse. And one other really bizarre thing was one more thing that the ranchers found when they found his gear. Now, perched on a rock near his other gear, was a thermos and a cup like he had been sitting there and having a cup of tea and just watching the world go by. So this made things very confusing. Was it really tea? <laughs> yeah, yes. Did you smell it? I actually heard yeah. that it could have been an energy drink. I've okay. heard conflicting things. I've heard tea and I've heard energy drink, but I haven't yeah. heard alcohol. So Weird. Yes. It's definitely weird. Um how i don't know it just seems weird seems like he was being casual that's what i mean like it doesn't seem like he was in distress or anything right if you're gonna sit there and have a drink and but then like why walk away from all your gear as well yeah i mean i have was interrupted yeah well that's it like the questions i have is how you know did he stalk something for seven kilometers why did he go there was he running from something yeah kilometers like and also, did he have a second pair of boots maybe or something, you know? like Would he really be carrying a second pair of boots? Boots are bulky they're heavy. and stuff. Yeah, they're heavy, heavy right? yeah. So, yeah, lots of questions. So that was sort of, that was it for a while. Hmm. So fast forward again to August 8th, 2016, nearly two years since he disappeared, on another ranch about a kilometre from where his bow, backpack, et cetera, had been found and eight kilometres from where his boots were found, a skull is found by a different rancher. Now, they call the police who realise that we may have finally found Aaron's remains, and they also find a mobile phone, which they find is his too. So just like where his gear was found, the location of the remains was in an area that was visible from the ranchers. So when he was in both places, he was in full view of civilization. Now, the skull is found not in the same immediate vicinity as the rest of his body, which is, like, put down to possible animal predation. Yeah. <clears throat> his remains were skeletal, so a cause of death, death was never ascertained, 100% anyway, so it was just listed as probable exposure, yeah. which to me is more of a uh, sort of finding. <laughs> you know, that's like, yeah. I don't know what it is, so we'll call it exposure. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, he's gone a kilometre from where he sat and had his tea. And he's died. So, yeah, any thoughts on that? I don't know. I feel like someone was there with him. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Well, he was just doing really weird stuff. Like, was he drunk, you know? 
I mean, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is very, very strange. Mm. So what do we have in terms of theories? Well, David Pilates is quick to claim that this is a classic quintessential 411 case. However, and, and you know, when I first watched this on the doco, I was like, oh, my God, this is there's just too many questions. Like, I just don't understand. But he does leave a lot out of the documentary. So he totally leaves out the poaching stuff. He totally leaves out the caginess of the friends and he also leaves out the alcoholism. So adding those things in provides a little bit more context, I think. The narrative that he gives is that is that of the one that the guys provided. So he believes, you know, they were at Campfire Lake. He went up to his cash, but he missed the turn off. Like he just basically parrots back whatever their story was. Yeah. So and I think we have enough conflicting evidence now to say that that probably wasn't what happened. I think we can yeah. see that. Yeah, he a just bit of wants a another number to his. Yeah. This is pretty, you know, it's a pretty crazy story. So, so yeah. that being said, what could have happened? Well, some people still like the foul play angle. I mean, what are your thoughts on Joe and Greg having offed him and got out of there? What are, what are your thoughts about that? It's a possible. I don't think there's enough like evidence to point at them like as in there's a reason Mm. I think there's enough of a reason Mm -hmm. um although but on the other hand it makes sense that the two separate stop-offs or three really um seem like very casual Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah so like there were people there with him almost yeah Unless he was just, like, being introspective and sort of sitting around thinking about yeah. life. I yeah. mean, some people have sort of suggested maybe this was, like, a suicide mission and he just went out and succumbed to the elements, you know? Maybe, yeah. The problem I have with Joe and Greg being involved is that his remains were, like, 22 kilometres from where he was last known to be, judging by, like, his um, GPS. Mm. So that has the crow flies as well. So that doesn't even take into account the Rocky Mountain terrain. Mm. Um, so I just don't see these guys bringing his body to that area. No. Um, they would have had to go through the ranches, basically. They would have had to have driv- driven up into yes. someone's attic to do it. Yeah. I do think we have shadiness from the poaching. They've also probably had a fight with him and he stormed off. So then when they first report him missing, the main aim is, like, to actually keep their movement secret so they don't get in trouble. And unfortunately, this just leads investigators to search in the wrong areas. Yeah. And once they do finally start telling a more truthful story, it's like the storm's come in, the snow is here. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a little bit too late for that sort of thing. So yeah. I don't know. I don't really, I don't think that they have purposefully killed him or anything like that. I think that he's just been left out there and whatever's happened to him has happened. So if it's not that, what else could it be? I think that. I think Aaron did do a flounce. I think that he went off to have some alone time. Maybe he was mad or had a fight or maybe he was detoxing and wanted to do it alone. I don't know what his reasons were. I think he was poaching at the back of that ranch. I think that maybe he got a little bit lost and found himself near the ranch. But And he so he knew because he had to have known he was close to safety. So I don't see where his stuff and his body was found. He would have seen that he was close to civilization. So I don't think that he was running from anything at that point. Um, but he wasn't ready to go home for whatever reason. His body was found not far from where he was sitting, having a rest, having a drink. So I don't know, did something chase him maybe? 
you know, we know he likely used his gun. He could have shot mm -hmm. at someone or something. Mm -hmm. And we know that at some point animal predation was a factor. So it was hypothesized that the reason his skull was found away from the rest of his body was because he was attacked by a bear. A bear will apparently eat some and bury some for later. So could it be that could it be that he was like sitting at the back of this ranch, having a drink, sitting around, and then a bear just came out and chased him for a kilometer and then got him, you know? I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, well, this one sort of just stumped me a bit. I don't know. There's not really anything to go off. It's all just hearsay. We don't have the truth from the people that he was with. And then everything else is just weird. Mm. So it, it literally is just a guessing game. Mm. Yeah, I guess you've got to kind of put like, those. Problems. Yeah, we have we have no idea how many bullets he started with. Did he have more? I can't see him going on a hunting trip with a half-loaded gun. We're talking about someone who's withdrawing from alcohol. So we don't, yeah, the logical, yeah, wouldn't do that. But someone who's not thinking straight might. Maybe. So there's so many like different ways to look at it. Like, yes, yeah. a logical person, a logical sober person or an alcoholic still drinking mm. <laughs> um, wouldn't do that. That's the other thing too. If he was detoxing, maybe he just sat down and died. Yeah. You know, like maybe he just got to a point where he couldn't go any further. But then again, he was within reach of civilization. He could have walked down to a house not far away. So why didn't he? Like, did it just sort of come on really quick? I don't know how withdrawal happens. Is it a quick thing or is it something that sort of sneaks up on you? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It just feels as though at the point where he was sitting there having a drink, he wasn't worried at that point. But then a kilometre later, he's dead. So yeah. I, I guess to me, an animal attack is probably about as close to a plausible theory as we're oh, going to yeah. get. That's all I've got. I mean, I think we've got a guy who's angry. He's detoxing. He's on benzos. He like he's likely hypothermic as well. Yeah, I don't think decision making was really his strong point at that time. No, that's what I mean. Like it's a very, like, even his behaviour can be written off as normal for him or abnormal for him like who knows we don't really like it's, it's just hearsay yeah was he having a mental health episode maybe or was he just fucked up on benzos maybe yeah yeah or was sorry he fearful for, for his life maybe yeah you just don't know you don't know sorry yeah. about the noises in the background that's my dog just getting up and having a stretch um yeah why yeah. doing your stretches now he's digging in the curtains and I don't know what he's doing. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that probably the story that was delivered is actually not really that close to the truth. I think that we've got people trying to cover their tracks, people trying to cover up for things that they were doing that was dodgy. And he's coming back now. Go on, lay down. Um, people trying to cover up for their actions, which were dodgy, but inadvertently kind of hindering the investigation into their friend's yeah. death at the same time. So, yeah. yeah, so what happened to him in the end? I mean, it could have been a number of things. Whatever happened happened in that one-kilometre period or one-kilometre distance, you know, like that's not far. So I think that you really have to think about the things that could happen 
to mm. someone who's just sitting out at the back of a ranch in Montana, you know, and we know that there's bears and there's mountain lions and stuff like that up there. So, you know, wolves even, like they have all sorts of stuff. I watch Yellowstone. <laughs> I've seen all the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I think that probably if I had to hedge bets, I'd say that we've just got a guy who's in a really bad way trying to get away from his friends and sort of either getting lost or I can also see him just wanting to be on his own. Um, he was experienced in the area. I think he knew where he was and what he was doing. Um, and he has found himself in a situation there where he died and whether or not that be at the hands of something else or just because he was detoxing um, or maybe he just wanted to go out there and die. Well, you just maybe, don't know. Maybe detox was too hard. Yeah. Well, it would be quite horrific. Like, I can't imagine doing it out in the wilderness in sub-zero temperatures. That just adds a level of difficulty that I don't think I'd be prepared for. Yeah, true. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, everyone let us know what you think. Um, this uh, this is definitely one of the sort of weirder ones that the Missing 411 documentaries talk about. Um, but like I said, like he's left a lot of stuff out, but it's still a really good doco, so go and have a look at some of the cases on that. But yeah, this one, um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of factors at play here, factors that we don't know what exactly happened, so we can't really make a call on this one, only what we think probably happened. So mm. so let us know what you think, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.